Good morning. It's always an honor to bring the word, especially here uh, with this family, if you would pray with me. Father, I pray that this morning you would hide me in the shadow of your cross. God, that through the power of your spirit, that you would engrave your word on our hearts this morning. Father, that you would bring comfort, conviction, challenge, inspiration where it's needed. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me this morning for the reading of our sermon text taken from Psalm 63, verses 1 through 8. O God, you are my God. I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. As in a dry and weary land where there is no water, so I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. I will lift up my hands and call on your name. My soul is satisfied as with a rich feast, and my mouth praises you with joyful lips. When I think of you on my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night, for you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I sing for joy. My soul clings to you, your right hand upholds me. This is the word of the Lord. As I have uh, prepared this week, I really felt drawn to Isaiah, and actually Joel was going to cover for me this morning as I was out of town with um, a family emergency, and so, but as I prayed, I, I just couldn't let it go, and so I texted Joel, and I said, thank you, but I'll, I'll be there Sunday, and um I was stuck on the Isaiah passage, uh, but earlier in the week I communicated to Tina that I would preach on Psalm 63, and so in a whirlwind of confusion, here we are, and uh, I believe that God has something for each one of us. Um, God in Isaiah, in the Isaiah 5 passage, yes, no, 55, um, God is speaking to a discouraged people in captivity, whose future was uncertain and whose life was hard. These verses unfold for them his path for moving his people from their thirst and longings to fulfillment, peace, and joy. And we too, in 2022, see what I did there? No appreciation. Okay. My dog liked it. We, too, find ourselves discouraged in captivity with futures uncertain and lives that have grown difficult. Over the last two years, we've faced a myriad of uncertainties, inflation, gas prices, new social norms in which none of us really know what to do. Losing loved ones and friends over and over and over again. New policies which actually distance us from the ones we want to be next to. 
a political climate worldwide that seems to be a raging out of control fire, much like the lands of West Texas recently. Certainly our prayers are with those who have lost so much. And the list goes on. Everything about our lives within the last two years has taken a dramatic, unpredictable shift. And here within this text, we find an invitation, a curious one, actually. Now, there's two requirements for you to receive this invitation. The first is be broke. Broke as a joke, as we said in college, where you learned how to make ramen noodles in 49 different ways. The second requirement, be thirsty. And what is it we are invited to? To a lavish feast of bread, milk, and honey. To come to the waters. And the problem we find ourselves in is this. We're thirsty, we're broke, and why? Because we've spent our money on that which is not bread. In other words, what doesn't fill us. We've labored for that which does not satisfy. And he gives a solution within the text of Isaiah 55. Listen to God. Incline your ear and return to him. God remembers his Davidic covenant to David and to all of us. But there's this tension within the text and within our lives. God's ways are not ours. Bummer. Surely you've whispered that in frustration before. His thoughts are not, are not ours. So we find ourselves constantly torn and frayed like a rope in the middle of an endless round of tug of war. Do we live our lives in ways that we deem good and right, or do we yield and surrender to the Spirit and His ways? What if, in fact, the ways and thoughts of the Spirit are so contradictory to everything we've worked hard for? Who or what do we surrender to? Our ways, we want security, stability, comfort, the easy road, blessing, God's ways, what he offers, instead of um, stability, instead of security and comfort, he offers his word which rubs against our corrupt flesh like rough sandpaper against the rough grains of a wood. It splinters and pains us. But the end result is a refining, leaving us smooth and beautiful, more like Christ himself. Jesus, too, found himself splintered and in pain on that old rugged cross. Don't think for one moment anyone took the time or care to sand the cross before he was so brutally thrown on it. God's ways, he offers instability as we are reminded that we are merely passing through this world, strangers and aliens in a foreign world. The more we grow and are sanctified in and through Christ, 
the less we ought to fit within this world. Jesus, too, found himself with a lack of stability, sometimes welcomed with honor and sometimes driven out. Do you remember growing pains as a child? Me either. (laughs) My height got stunted somewhere along the way. But growth as children of God is painful. Jesus was in so much inner turmoil as he faced the cross, he sweat drops of blood. Have you and I faced a pain so deep as this? God offers the hard road, the narrow path that few find. Jesus was our forerunner, showing us how to walk the narrow, crooked way. And God offers blessing, yes, but also things we do not understand. Remember the night in which the very Son of God prayed, Father, if there's any other way, yet not my will, but yours be done. A prayer that few of us, if any, pray regularly or sincerely. There's this tension. What we want versus what God wants. How we want to live our lives versus how God says to live our lives. How can one buy without money? It's this idea of grace, a gift freely given in which our only response is either receiving or not. You and I, we could never earn his gift of grace, of salvation, of love. But can we rest in that? Because if we find ourselves working for it, we've not only deceived ourselves, but have cheapened his sacrifice from a pure gift to a mere obligation. Jesus didn't endure the brutality of the cross because he was obligated. He had a choice. It says in Hebrews that for the joy set before him, he endured the brutality of the cross, scorning and shame, that joy set before him was you and I. But how often I approach the things of faith out of obligation. I should be there. I should give. I should pray. I should. An obligation simply takes the joy out of the gift itself. Why are we thirsty? We've constantly pursued broken cisterns that never satisfy. Rejecting the presence of Emmanuel in pursuit of the wrong company. Finding ourselves distracted and entertained with the world in our hands instead of his word in our hearts. Chasing fame, success, or wealth instead of the lowly way of Christ. Come home. Return. Drink deeply of the cup he offers. A cup of blessing, yes, but also a cup of suffering. The problem for most of us is that we want and yearn for the resurrection life, but without the crucifixion. There is no resurrection outside of a crucifixion. And Christ tells us over and over again in scripture, 
Deny yourself, die to self, pick up your cross and daily follow me. And herein lies the tension of Lent. It's a season of waiting, of preparing, of a stripping away of the old in order to embrace the new. Only Christ, his ways, his thoughts, his purposes, his word, his presence, his pursuits, his promises, his shared cup of suffering will satisfy. Everything else will leave us severely disappointed and dehydrated. Our call today is to stay thirsty. Thirsty for his grace, thirsty for his ways, thirsty for his thoughts, thirsty for him, thirsty for his presence, thirsty for his heart, not his hand. Because when you have someone's heart, you have their hands. But oh, what a cheap ripoff when we only seek his hand and not his heart. He is coming, but only those who accept his invitation will find themselves satisfied and ready. Drink deeply again and again. His cup never runs dry. Are you thirsty? Come and drink. Are you broke? Come and buy. Seek the Lord while he may be found in return. Find the mercy which you so desperately need. Incline your ear and listen that you may once again live. Surrender to the one whose ways are not our ways, whose thought are not our thoughts. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so is the one who beckons us. It's not only an invitation to quench our thirst and satisfy our hunger, but it's an invitation to go higher, to go deeper, to go longer. See, everything with and in and through Christ is an upgrade from desolate places to divine encounters, from desperation to satisfaction. John Piper says this, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. Are you most satisfied in Christ or in some other trinket or treasure of this side of heaven that will one day fade and break and ruin? Have you ever been desperate? Last Sunday, uh, I drove to Atlanta, took a quick trip, ended up not being so quick, 16-hour drive with a time to rip. Differential landed me at, uh, there at 2 in the morning. I'm obviously still recovering. Uh, I found myself in the hood. <laughs> and while I've been in the hood before, I was clearly on the wrong side of town. And actually a little afraid. I was desperate. Desperate for a restroom. Desperate for some water and desperate for a safe place to sleep. 
It seemed that the longer I drove, the worse it got. <laughs> Homeless people were laying in the middle of streets and parking lots. Gas stations closed. Non-stop sirens surrounding me. I called five hotels. There was no room in the inn. Out of desperation, I pulled my car into a parking lot, said the longest prayer of my life, and went to sleep. I was desperate for the basic necessities of life, rest, water, and safety, and security. I want to be desperate for Jesus like that. It's paradoxical in nature because, yes, Jesus satisfies. He, he more than satisfies, but I always want to hunger and thirst for him alone. Nothing else matters. And I find myself so often distracted, chasing things that don't matter. Oh, God, you need my help this week finding my husband? I'd be glad to. As if God really needs my help or your help with anything. I want to be desperate for Jesus, for his presence, for a deep abiding with him, for a deep fellowship with him. This is something I share with young people all the time as they face the insurmounting pressure of technology and social media. And, and most of them actually don't like it. But it makes it harder to be without it than to just be in it and to deal with it. Snapchat streaks is, is something on Snapchat where if you send a picture back and forth every day, it counts how many days you've snapped each other. And for so many, especially young people, Snapchat streaks carry a greater weight and value than Bible app streaks. Our priorities get all jacked up, don't they? What is the one thing that every day you can't do without? Is it a show? A Facebook stroll? Texting someone? Those things in and of themselves aren't bad, but they will not quench your thirst. They will not satisfy your hunger only Jesus does. What are you desperate for this morning? What are you thirsty for this morning? Is it the applause and approval of man? Because Christ already says, I choose you. I want you on my team. Is it earthly wealth and security and making sure that your family is okay? Or is it an eternal wealth, a heavenly wealth in which you invest where moth and rust do not destroy? We can know about the conditions of our hearts by answering those two questions. What am I desperate for? What am I thirsty for? The only way in which I know to achieve that in a candy land world full of blinking lights and paths that look easy and popular is to stay close to him. And how do we stay close to him? 
through the reading and meditating of his word, through time and worship with him, time in prayer, time of just silence and solitude, sitting at his feet. I would venture to say that if your only spiritual meal for the week is this buffet on a Sunday morning, you may be incredibly spiritually nourished. And you may be missing the richest life possible. Our encouragement this morning is to stay thirsty. Stay thirsty for Jesus. Stay thirsty for his presence. Stay thirsty for his grace. Stop trying to outdo what Christ has done. You never will. Stop trying to turn the gift of salvation and grace into some Boy Scout or Girl Scout badge that you've earned. You and I could never earn the love or favor or blessing or goodness of God. Rest in that. I want to close this morning in a way I never do with a simple song, and I hope that you'll join me. Um, but before I do, let, let me pray, and then we'll close with Jesus keeping me near the cross. Jesus, I confess to you this morning my desire and pursuit of roads that look fine and cisterns that are broken, but that look refreshing. Jesus, I ask that you would give each one in this room an unquenchable hunger and thirst for you, Jesus, for the things of you. God, give us an unquenchable hunger and thirst for your word, for time with you, for fellowship with you, for, for communion with you. Thank you for your gift of grace. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your salvation, God. Thank you that you are our everything. You are our greatest reward, our greatest satisfaction, our greatest prize, our greatest trophy. Jesus, you are everything to us. Help us to live lives that reflect that truth, God. Get rid of the things in our lives that take our attention and our time and our energy. God, may we be a people who love you, who pursue you, who drink deeply from your cup, your cup of grace, but yes, also your cup of suffering. We love you and we honor you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.